0: I think that consistency comes from passion and when you're passionate about what you're doing every day then you have the opportunity to be consistent. And when you're not consistent then you're not going to accomplish what it is that you're, you know, setting out to do. So for me, consistency is integral to me going after those big goals and those crazy crazy dreams.
1: I want to get to the bottom of how they first discovered their passion, how they channel their talent consistently, and ultimately how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. Today's episode is with writer, speaker, runner, and podcast host, Emily Abadi. Emily is probably one of the most consistent and go-getter type people I have ever met. She is constantly putting herself in positions of growth and really just does what she sets out to do. After the magazine she worked for folded in 2016, Emily got into the world of freelance writing, where she's written for publications like GQ, Shape, Runner's World, The Wall Street Journal, and so many others. She also launched Hurdle, a podcast that features people who got through a tough time in their life and got out the other side stronger by integrating wellness into their routines. On today's episode, we talk about her personal wellness journey after having lost 70 pounds by introducing small attainable goals and running into her life. We get into her curiosity and how her willingness to learn has gotten her to where she is, We talk about her podcasting journey, her first steps, how she got started, and what keeps her going. She opened up about her recent journey with therapy, and of course, we tap into her insane consistency and motivation. I'm honestly personally feeling really inspired after this episode, and I think that it has a lot of great takeaways. So with that, let's get into today's episode with Emily Abadi. So I am here with Emily Abadi, a podcast host, writer, runner, speaker. How many more hyphens do I add? I like accolades. <laughs> it's my thing. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. For sure. I am a huge fan of yours, and I just I, I love to have seen like your growth. I feel like I've been following you closely for like the past year, and it's just it's really cool to see where you've come from, where you're going. Like, I feel like you're not even scratching the surface yet. And, like, it's just a really cool thing to watch.
0: I love that you feel confident in where I'm going. I don't know where I'm going, but it feels, <laughs> I, oh good. No, I it feel, feels good. I feel
1: a thousand percent confident. And, like, <laughs> something that I'm definitely going to say in your intro, and I'm going to say it again now, is that, like, you're one of the people, and I feel like we kind of know each other, but I, I feel like out of all the people that I've met in the editorial space, the fitness space, whatever, I feel like I have not met a person more consistent than you. And, like, you're just, like, a person that, like, I don't know if you feel, like, nervous or that, like, you may not reach a certain goal. But, like, to me, it seems like you're, like, oh, yeah. Like, I got this. Like, 100%. Like, I'll figure out whatever I have to figure out to get to where I want to go. And, like, it's just very refreshing. And, like, I just – I really admire that. So I
0: appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. I think that – consistency comes from passion. And when you're passionate about what you're doing every day, then you have the opportunity to be consistent. And when you're not consistent, then you're not going to accomplish what it is that you're you know, setting out to do. So for me, consistency is integral to me going after those big goals and those crazy, crazy dreams.
1: So I'm going to dig deeper into that in a little bit, but I kind of want to take it back to where you're from and how you first got to New York. For sure. So I grew up in Trumbull, Connecticut. I
0: went to the University of Connecticut, UConn Husky through and through. (laughs) Um, And about a year and a half after graduating in 2010, I moved to New York City. So I've been here... God, for about eight years now, which time flies when you are having fun. What was it about New York that called you? I mean, I grew up about an hour, 20 minutes outside of the city. So a lot of people from where I am from either come here to New York or they ship on up to Boston. Mm -hmm. And for me, being an aspiring journalist, I knew that New
1: York was calling to me and that it was definitely the place to be. So what was it about journalism? I feel like you are a storyteller at heart. And I feel like even in what you're doing, clearly in what you're doing with podcasting and obviously writing, like that is so a huge part of who you are. What is it about it specifically?
0: I grew up loving to write. And for me, it was just always about getting my thoughts down, coming up with stories, and learning more about all the people around me. And so I was a double major in college. I majored in political science and journalism and debated the whole lawyer thing briefly. But I just knew that my passion was – with words and it was with storytelling and it was with developing relationships. And so for me, journalism just felt like the right thing pulling me, uh, toward this career in New York city. And then I mean, beyond that, when I came to selecting a niche in journalism, I started out my career in journalism covering everything from entertainment to trending news. I was working on the weekends sometimes, uh, food, lifestyle, and of course, healthy living. And so it wasn't until uh, a health focused publishing company, Rodale, had reached out to me and they had a website that they wanted to relaunch. And they saw that I had experience with health content and as well as experience with SEO and trending news. And they thought that I could be an asset to rebuilding this brand. And so, I was scared beyond to get into just health journalism. I thought that I would be bored. I thought that I would lack a sense of purpose, but it was anything but that. I mean, going to Rodale and relaunching the website which at the time was called fitbe.com, fitbe showed me, my time at Fitby showed me that this was exactly what my calling was and that connecting with people about wellness, about health, about fitness was 100%, uh, you know, in my wheelhouse and definitely empowered me to tell more stories and really get in on a deeper level.
1: So you had a big personal fitness and wellness journey in college? Yeah. Um, so why do you think you felt like such a disconnect with going straight into health and fitness as like a storytelling method? I think that it was kind of
0: like the separation of church and state, right? Like mm-hmm. for me, I didn't truly understand that you could literally combine all of it into a career. Mm-hmm. I knew that people did, but I thought that I didn't want my life just to be so single segmented. And to be honest with you, it's something that I definitely appreciate and I'm so thankful for now, but it is something that I struggle with a little bit in fact that in the with the idea that My everyday is so much about health and wellness. It's about creating health and wellness content. It's about hurdle and creating my podcast, which resonates with the health and wellness audience. It's about me actually physically being active and being mindful about my overall well-being. And so for me, I'm constantly looking for ways to kind of get outside of the box to do things that maybe don't resonate with fitness or my health or something like that. So For the last two weeks, and I should just make a decision by now, but I've been like looking into Italian classes and like, what can I do that's just a little outside of my wheelhouse that kind of pushes the envelope. Do you feel boxed because you're so niched? No, I feel privileged and that I can truly refer to myself as an expert at times. And for me, that
1: feels, again, like a privilege and something I'm really excited about. Do you feel like an expert in something else that you wish that you could talk more about?
0: Not necessarily. I mean, I think I have my whole my own set of experiences and, you know, things that are my truth. I, as you kind of referenced before, lost a lot of weight in college. I lost seventy pounds and that was twofold, part in learning how to eat better and really learning how to control portions and just be mindful with what I was putting into my body. And then the second half was falling in love with running and learning how to run more yeah. than a mile and that becomes a 5K and a half marathon and so on and so forth. So – for me, like I feel like an expert in how, for example, I lost weight. Like I feel like I am an expert in, okay, this is how you can literally feel as though you have it all and not feel like you're completely restricting yourself and see success. But yeah. that is my own personal journey. That is not based on any certification. If anyone ever reaches out to me on social media, I can offer them advice from my personal perspective, right. but with the disclaimer and very upfront with this idea that I am not you know a trained nutritionist or a registered dietitian or anything like that i'm just speaking from you know what Experience. worked for me
1: exactly so what was that moment where you decided that you wanted to really like i like i said like i feel like you're a person that when you decide something like it's gonna happen did you know that about yourself before prior to having that journey or was there like a pivotal moment that like helped you kind of like get into that mindset.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I've definitely spoken about this before. For me, I was a freshman at UConn and I went into college overweight. It wasn't like I walked in and gained 15 pounds and then I was obese. Like yeah. I walked no, in I gained college. like 30 pounds sophomore year. Sophomore I, Soph is like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was probably walking into college already at about like 185, 190. And when I got on a scale- uh, the spring semester of my freshman year, it read 204 pounds and I just knew that I had to make a change. And it started literally in that moment where I put on some old sweatpants and an old high school volleyball sweatshirt and ran down the street and collapsed in the grass just so beside myself looking up at the stars and being like, I know I need change. I know that I can be better. I know I want more for myself than just this life. And I reflect on this time and so much of my younger years. And I don't remember a lot. And that's because I wanted to protect myself, I feel like. I wanted to kind of black out these times where I didn't feel confident. I wasn't super happy. I look back at photos that I was taking and it's like just my face and it's only selfies and it's never my entire body. And I was just at the time, really almost ashamed of who I was. And that's such a burden to carry, right? And I knew that I didn't want to walk around with that on my shoulders anymore. And so, like I said, it happened in two phases, learning how to eat differently and then learning how to love running and neither of those things were- So learning how to eat right come first? Yes. And neither of those things were easy. Um, But- It was never like, all right, my goal is to lose 70 pounds. It was, okay, my goal right now is to not eat french fries at every meal. My goal right now is to like maybe have banana chocolate chip ice cream like once a week instead of every single night. My goal right now is to not walk out of my grandmother's Italian kitchen on a Sunday and actually want to throw up because I've eaten so much. Like, so just learning better habits and how to be diligent in what I wanted and and be strategic and know when to, you know, listen to again, be mindful with my eating and listen to my my gut and what I wanted and what I really wanted and not just like what I thought and you know eat with my stomach instead of my eyes. Totally. Yeah. What, but what do you mean by that? By like what you really, really wanted. I think that I leaned into food a lot growing up for comfort, as so many of us do, of Guilty. course. And so For me, when I was stressed or when things weren't going well at home, I mean, my parents separated when I was 16 and divorced when I was 21. And so for me, I looked at food as a crutch for so long. And I needed to learn that there were other things in my life or that I could add to my life that could bring me the same amount of comfort and happiness. And it didn't have to result because ultimately what would happen is I would lean into food as a crutch. But when I was done eating, I would feel so bad about myself. So it wasn't a winning strategy. You know, I needed to find a strategy that really worked for me to help me get through those hurdles, to help me get through the things that were
1: so tough for me to deal with. So you mentioned running and that is such a huge part of your life, of your brand, of everything. Uh, What was that process like? I feel like running is so intimidating for the majority of the people, including myself. Like what was that first process yeah, I mean, I sucked at running. Like, there's no I literally blow at running. Like, I get shin splints, and I don't. I think they're mental. <laughs> and <laughs> they I'm could just be. like, I-, I have a shin splint. I I gotta stop, guys. Gotta stop running. Gotta stop running. Well, I will tell you that there were plenty
0: of aches and pains when I started running. I mean, when you are a bigger person or even, like, I mean, any person. When you're running, everything's moving. Things are confusing. Like, things hurt. It's just, like, painful whether you're, like, 100 pounds or 400 pounds. Like, it's tough for everyone, you know? Um, And so – for me, I was working at a summer camp. I'd probably lost about 30, 35 pounds already, but I was still like, of a larger size for my body. You know, I'm five foot four. So being 170, 175 pounds at five foot four, it's a lot of weight to carry around. Yeah. Uh, and so I was working at a summer camp. I wanted to get active. I didn't want to stall in the weight loss progress that I'd made, but I didn't have access to what I had before arriving, which was something like a Planet Fitness or a big box gym to just get on an elliptical and move. And so I knew that I needed to do something. And it was kind of a no-brainer that that something was running. And like I said, I hated running. I wasn't good at it. I always wanted to be good at it. I grew up with a brother who was a track and field athlete, a cross-country runner, and I was just never... No- never the kid that excelled at running. Regardless, it was literally my only option. And so I did the exact same run every single day for an entire summer. I ran what I thought was a mile. It took me about 14 minutes and like 12 seconds. And then I'd come in, I'd shower, I'd change, and I'd go on with my day. And I did that every day at lunch. And at the end of the summer, I got in the navy blue Jetta that I had so rightfully earned by deciding I was going to go to the University of Connecticut and stay in <laughs> – in, in, in a, in state. And I got in my Jetta and I measured the distance and it was a half a mile. And it took me 14 minutes to run a half mile. Like I could be like walking backward today and walk a half mile in 14 minutes, but it didn't matter. Like the reality was was that I learned to actually enjoy that time. And that was crazy to think about in retrospect, because again, I hated running. I absolutely hated
1: it. At what point in, even in those like 14 minute half miles, like when did you start feeling like you liked it? Cause I feel like I've given it shots. Like I've given it like trying to run three, four times a week. And like, it just, I always hit a wall. Like when did you feel like you got past that wall? I think
0: you have to figure out how to make running work for you. Um, like I said, I was committed. And when you have a goal and you know, I'm a very, motivated person. So the bigger goal was worth for me some of that discomfort, but I don't want to say that to make individuals think that they have to lean into some sort of a fitness modality that yeah. they don't like to be happy. Um but for me again, like running was literally one of the few options I had besides like any sort of dance cardio or just it was convenient for me and yeah. so it felt right. And so for me, um a lot of running For me, a lot of the things that made running better was totally in a playlist and finding music that really motivated me, I would look forward to looking for new music to really like run to. I grew up dancing. um, And so like for me, music was like a really exciting part of the whole experience. And then again, like I liked the challenge of it. I liked to see that time all bite slowly, like go down a little bit. And so I would say between the challenge and the playlist, like that's what kept me going for that initial period. And then When I got to the moment where I realized that my mile was a half mile, I was so stoked to know like what could come. And then I wanted to, you know, check off the mile. And then when that mile became a 5K, like I just appreciated the challenge and really enjoyed feeling as though I was getting better at something that I really thought that wasn't an option for me. That must be so satisfying. I hope one day
1: I'm (laughs) saying something similar to that. So you went into journalism and were specialized in health and fitness, wellness. Um, how long were you doing that for? And what would you say your biggest takeaway during that time was? So, I mean, I'm still uh, but in-house. Like, right. what, w- what was your takeaway from working for a magazine in-house? Right. So
0: I started my career off at a company called Cafe Mom. I was at Cafe Mom's blog, The Stir, for about three and a half years. I then went to Rodale and launched... FitBee.com, which became RodaleWellness.com uh, because publishing is awesome. I got let like, go for the first time from Rodale about two years after starting there and uh. And within five days, I landed at my first ever print magazine job at Self Magazine and I became their fitness editor. And it was literally my dream job. I did everything that you see in movies like Devil Wears Prada. I staffed photo shoots. I directed photo shoots. I came up with workouts as a fitness editor does. I demoed workouts. I was on the website. I wrote articles. I edited articles. I worked with freelancers. I came up with a a budget. I I mean, I did everything. Uh, I called in products, I tested products, like the list goes on. And it was a blast. I was working with a phenomenal team, some of the most talented, smart, motivated women in the business. And uh, it really, really just taught me kind of fitness- Journalism boot camp. I mean, the reality is, is that at the end of the day, when you work for a print publication, there is no stricter journalism uh, because what you do is truly, truly final. Not to downplay the value and the importance of uh, fact-checking and research in the journalism that is online and digital, but it's very easy to make a change on digital, and Mm -hmm. it is not that way ever in print. Like, once it's printed, it's It's done. done. Uh, And so- Working itself, my first opportunity to be at a print publication, it truly was really learning how to validate credit and, you know, look for reliable sources. And I mean, like, literally, if I read a study and the study said there is such a thing as green sweaters, I would then have to, like, go find someone who manufactures green sweaters and be like, I just want to check there are green sweaters. Like, it's that... Serious. You can't just like find the study and report the finding. You have to like then email the study author, confirm what you found from their findings, have them co sign it, and then you can write about it. So it's a lot. It's a lot. But it was super valuable and it made me a better journalist and it really helped me. You know, navigate how to call BS on people that didn't know what they were doing. Maybe oh, right. I mean that's why I became at first a certified personal trainer was just because I wanted to be able to call people on their BS and create smarter workouts and oh, know and know you know if I'm working with a trainer and they want me to lift 200 pounds for 20 reps, like who's actually going to do that? Right. Um, You know, I mean, there's someone out there that would do a workout <laughs> like that, but I'm just saying, like the average person yeah. isn't going to look at kind of more scheme. knowledgeable. Exactly. On what so just creating smarter content was totally the motivation behind me becoming certified at first.
1: Incredible. So how long were you at self for?
0: I was at self for a year. And then, um, because publishing is awesome, uh, (laughs) self folded at the end of 2016. And
1: I was thrust into this world of freelancing.
0: um, Well, at that
1: beginning, I feel like that, first of all, almost all of my friends in journalism have had some sort of iteration of the story. What was that like first, feeling like were you like looking for something more stable immediately or were you like I'm just gonna lean into the fact that this is the reality of publishing and I'm just gonna I'm gonna figure it out so I was always of the mentality I'm gonna figure it
0: out I believe for the first like six to ten months I definitely ran out a few different opportunities I felt as though I had the Tenacity to take on freelance life more so than I did before I got the job itself. I was really scared at that point, and mm-hmm. being a freelancer a year before was just not mentally an option. Yeah. But at this point, I felt confident that I could do it. I just wasn't exactly sure if I was ready for the challenge, uh, and so yeah, I ran out a few opportunities. Nothing really felt hundred percent right, and if anything during that time period, what I really wanted to be honest with you was health insurance, and I didn't. Really? Have you figured it out? Because I still—I mean, I'm gonna, you know, pay a hefty amount of money to yeah. be on Oscar. It's going up a hundred dollars a month for me. Same for me, and I'm
1: on Oscar too, 2020. <laughs> so
0: it's a—it's an expensive, expensive undertaking. But I, at this point, like, there's no going back for me. Totally. Like, I am—I've learned so much. I've come so far, and you know, after those initial six to ten months, I really accepted that this is what I want to do, and and especially, you know. 12 months in when I concepted and launched uh, my podcast, Hurdle. When I launched Hurdle, after just like one to two months of that, I really knew that there was no going back.
1: So I want to get into Hurdle. Yeah. Uh, Podcasting has obviously been around for a very, very long time, but has recently gotten very cool and very like the new social media or just like the new medium of consuming content. And clearly you were in the mecca of content itself. At what point were you even thinking about podcasting as – a potential for you? Was it while you were employed? At what point did you think that this was something that you could potentially do? Right. So,
0: I mean, you guys hear my voice. It's not normal. <laughs> I like, grew up with this super low, raspy voice and was always told, like, you should go into voiceovers or do some sort of work with this. And I thought about it, but as a storyteller, I knew that my greater opportunity was to Really do something with this. And so I thought about podcasting for a long time, but it wasn't until I really concepted the perfect idea for Hurdle that I knew that I wanted to dive in with like everything I had. I was sitting in my apartment with a girlfriend. It was about a year into me being a full time freelancer. And I just was looking for an avenue to out, like, to channel my creativity, um, a different outlet, if you will. And I was going through some stuff in my personal life, and I just said, uh, referencing that to her, we're like eating ramen on my couch, and I said, I just want to get over this hurdle. And like literally as those words came out of my mouth, I was like, this is what it's going to be and this is who I'm going to talk to and this is what we're going to do. And I always reference this conversation that I had with Sadie Lincoln. She's the uh, founder of Bar3. And when I sat down with her almost two years ago now, she said to me, when you're passionate about something, you just go into what I like to refer to as warrior state. And all of that work and all those hours, it doesn't feel like work anymore. It just feels like what you're supposed to do. And for me, hurdle became that thing. Talking to people, Finding people, getting their stories, helping tell their stories and getting them to come out of their shell and and inspire change and help others. All of those things are 100% what I hope to continue doing for many, many years to come.
1: And you're really, really good at it. Thanks. Do you feel like your journalistic background helped with… Creating the questions, doing a research. Like I feel like you're a very it seems to me like you have been doing this for so many years because you come up with really, really good questions and you do your homework. Do you think that your your past has definitely helped? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean
0: being a podcaster is being a journalist. There's no, like your storytelling. Uh, And again, like I love this word opportunity and I say it so often, but really like it is an opportunity to help someone tell their story. And I feel so fortunate and thankful for anyone who's willing to sit down with me and open up to me and then in turn open up to my audience. So for sure, my background as a journalist has definitely helped me uh, kind of, you know, thrive to an extent in
1: what I'm doing. So what was that like beginning stage like when you had that conversation with Raman with your friend, like to actually executing, coming up with the graphics? Like I feel like it's a topic that so many people ask me also, like, how did you start? What do you record on? Like all these things. Like I, ha- I started with a Yeti. Like what are the things that you would tell someone that is interested in doing it and what was your journey like? I started knowing nothing, like absolutely nothing. And I think
0: a lot of the time – that is a differentiating factor between the two types of people, right? There are the people that know nothing and don't start because they're scared. And there are the people that know nothing except that and are ready to learn. And for me, I am a learner. I always have been. And the first thing that I did after – Coming up with my idea, knowing what I wanted to do was then reach out to the people that already knew, right? And it didn't need to be me, you know, shooting for the stars and emailing Rich Roll and be like, hey, can you sit down with me? It was podcasters in the New York area. You know, I sat down. With Kelly Roberts right at the beginning. And she came to my WeWork and gave me some of her time. And I was so, so thankful for that. And she just talked me through her process and what she used and what I needed to get and how I should launch with a few episodes at once because that helps in the iTunes store and so many things. And it was just stuff that you don't necessarily come across on Google. And so I found that to be super, super helpful. Uh, And then when it came to, you know, just the other basics of, Learning how to podcast, it was all on Google. It was just you know trial and error and figuring it out. I still to this day
1: edit the entire podcast myself. And I know I saw I've heard you say that, and it's like so shocking to me. You do do you do one or two a week? I do two a week. That is wild. It's so time consuming, and you're also writing and editing. Yeah, work. (laughs) So you know it's a
0: lot, but again, like. It definitely feels like work sometimes, but now it, you know, it's work with a purpose and it feels really valuable to me.
1: So with all the things that you're doing, I feel like there's like an overarching story of storytelling and... I I just I feel like the health and fitness world is definitely something that I think is synonymous with you. But out of all of the things and all the different projects that you're working on, what would you say is like your active ingredient mission purpose that you're like trying to bring to the world? I
0: mean, I think the value of relationships is something that we don't stress enough. We're all walking around, looking at our phones. We're looking at social media. People are so busy trying to craft a persona or storytelling in a way that is so strategic that we lose sight of the beauty of genuine human connection. And so my passion in life is literally just connecting good people and forming real relationships. Like how can we benefit from knowing one another? How can you grow because of one single interaction? And that opportunity is there for all of us, right? And I think that that becomes – you know, our biggest strength and for some their biggest weakness is that they don't open up to this idea that a simple connection, whether or not in that moment, it feels like there is an opportunity there. Like that simple connection can bring you so much. Uh, When New Year's 2017, right when I was starting with Hurdle, one of my resolutions, and I remember writing it down, was that this year I want to sit down with one new person every week. That's, and it didn't a need big to task. be it didn't need to be someone in my industry in fact it was almost better when it wasn't because i just wanted to learn like what do you like what does it mean for someone to uh, I don't know work at Goldman? Like what does it mean for someone to be in marketing at Nike? What does it mean for someone to be, you know, in advertising and work God knows where? Like I just wanted to learn more. And so for me, like I've just always wanted, I've had this thirst to understand. And that's the other thing, right? It's like just this I like to stress this idea of having compassion and being kind. And I truly think that maybe kindness is my active ingredient just because for me, you never know when it's going to come back around. And for so many people that are just looking for a means to an end or trying to find that instant gratification, what we lose in that hustle is the importance and the stress of just... Genuine humanity. And so for me, when it comes to what I'm doing, there are days for sure where I question, like, am I a little worried about how this might be received or is someone going to have an opinion on me doing X, Y, and Z? But at the end of the day, like authenticity and being myself and being kind or what I continually go back to, because in my experience, at least so far, like that's what's resonated with other individuals and that's what's helped other people. And if I can help someone else by being kind and being authentic, then like for me, that's a privilege.
1: What's your hope with hurdle? Like what – I feel like you you have grown it and it's not been a super long time that you've been doing it. What What's your like dream, hope, aspiration? I feel like you dream big. So I'm curious to know what. I would love for
0: Hurdle to grow into not necessarily like a media brand, but I would love for it to be three times a week. I would love for it to be ingrained in cities and be more on a local level. So I mean, not to riff on Humans of New York, but like Hurdles of New York, Hurdles of LA, Hurdles of Chicago. I would love that. When I first had the concept behind the podcast, that was kind of where I was going with it is that I wanted to do more like just I walk up to you on the street you tell me your story and like I want to know about how wellness plays out in your life and I think there's definitely room for that and I would love that but that is just not a one man band kind of thing so um, I, dream of I dream of that <laughs> I dream of that I dream of maybe working with you know uh, another company to kind of grow the brand in a way again that I can't do myself and I'm definitely getting to the point where I'm um, starting to have some of those conversations and it's really Exciting. So I just, you know, want to amplify it as much as possible and continue to go outside of my comfort zone and be willing to be vulnerable for the sake of helping other people wherever they might be. I love that. Do you see yourself always doing both the podcast and writing? Writing to me is a huge part of who I am. Uh, I definitely. See myself phasing out some types of the content that I'm working on, but when it comes to what I see for my career, writing will 100% always be a part of it, and definitely uh, in the in the feature writing, in the super personal kind of stuff, uh, that's really where my biggest passions really lie.
1: So for podcasting specifically, because I feel like for writing, most people have kind of a grasp on how that is monetized. how did you start learning about how to monetize a podcast? And what would you say to someone that wants to do that full time? Like what are the steps that people need to take to be able to make that a thing? Definitely. The first thing you should not do is just
0: try to monetize something before you really know what it is. Uh, I think that's a weakness in a lot of podcasting is that they're just selling to sell Mm -hmm. and that certainly isn't what should be motivating you. Um, Listen, I get it. Like, podcasting takes time, especially if you are the person that's editing it and booking and showing up. It's a lot of effort. And when you need to make a living, uh, you want to monetize that effort. But it's just so important that first and foremost, you're not just selling to sell. And then secondly, you're if you are selling, selling to brands and companies that really, really resonate with you and that you are an active consumer of. So for me, um, I was approached by a company that I was really passionate about pretty early on in the game. Uh, and I feel super grateful for that. It was um, products and things that I was already using. And so for me, uh, when they asked if they could sponsor an episode or two, I was like, sure, this sounds great. And we did like, I think two to four episodes and it was cool. But at the time I was kind of in a place where I didn't really feel like I was ready to have sponsors. I wasn't like super like confident in the content yet. And there's like so much, only so much of a lean startup mentality you can kind of roll Mm -hmm. with. Um, And also, like, again, I didn't know what I was selling. I didn't know, like, how much someone should pay for a podcast. I didn't know anything about, like, CPMs and any of that stuff. So I was just, like, flying by the seat of my pants. What I will tell you is that there are, like, guidelines on the internet about how much you should be selling based on how much your listenership is. And I get it. It's cool. But, like, you make the rules, man. Like, this is your product. This is your podcast. This is your time. And so sure, there are going to be people that tell you what your time and what your product are worth, but if there is a company or a brand that you feel truly passionate about and they feel passionate about your product, then it'll be more of a conversation and less of a dictatorship. Um, And again, like I said, just like brands that you're passionate about is super important. Like the last thing you need to do is just like talk about something that you just don't connect with because it comes through instantly, like absolutely instantly. And that's just not... You know, that's not the kind of human totally. I am. I feel
1: like you do a really good job with that. Also, Skinny Confidential, I feel like, does an incredible job with that. I don't know if you listen to their podcast. Yeah. You guys are two that I feel like you are very discerning with who you bring on. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about your Instagram and your lace-up. Oh, um, let's talk about the lace-up. Your lace-up is taking the world by storm. <laughs> Every day there are new lace-uppers. It is so – this is, like, what I mean by the consistency. Like, it's so – cool to watch someone actually do that every day. Like, I wish that I had that type of consistency, but like you're a human being, like there must be days that you just don't, you just don't want to do it. Like, what, what do you do? Cause there's consistency in your work. There's consistency in your lace up. Like what is, what's your secret? All right. The background, the lace up is literally me mostly in the morning waking up.
0: Putting the waking up
1: at like five in the five, six a.m. marks, getting up
0: (laughs) and literally tying my shoes uh, with the what's the term on Instagram hands free mode. Every day. You need to teach me how to do that. that. I'll teach you. Uh, Mostly every day. And it just started as kind of like an accountability thing for me. And then I just started to notice that other people were doing it, which blew my mind. Um, And there are some days where I don't want to show up on Instagram, and there are days where there's stuff going on in my personal life, and I'm just like, oh. And some days I will hibernate and not lace up. That doesn't mean that I'm not lacing up at all. It just means that maybe that day I'm not going to put it on Instagram. But on the days that I don't want to, I remember the person that DMs me and says that me getting up and doing it got them to get up and do it too. And I think that that's, again, going back to this idea of authenticity and what it means to truly be yourself. Um, Like this is my brand story. My brand story is that like that time for me, usually in the 5 a.m. starting hour, like that is my me time. That is what makes me feel like the best version of myself. And if me being the best version of myself can inspire other people, then why the hell am I going to hide
1: that from the world? I mean, it's very, very like inspirational. I've definitely laced up not to run because I hate running, but (laughs) to to do some sort of movement because of it. So it's really incredible. What do you think about the health and fitness space in general?
0: There's just so much out there, right? I think we're We're lucky because there are so many options for us when it comes to at least movement. And of course, the way that we eat and how we handle overall body wellness. And there's acupuncture and meditation, and like the avenues in wellness are abundant. Uh, So I think it's really cool because there are so many options that you can really choose your own adventure. You don't need to lace up every day to be healthy. You don't need to do dance cardio or try CrossFit or lift weights. I mean, maybe weightlifting should be somewhere in your routine, but – Basically what I'm trying to get at is that like we are so lucky these days in that we can really figure out what our own personal wellness journey means for us mm-hmm. and there are so many ways to change it up as well. So maybe for a few months you're into running and then for a few months you're into crossfit and then for a few months you're like, mm, "I'm just going to be really mindful with my movement and maybe I'm just going to meditate." Like whatever it means to you, like that's okay. And so I think it's just, again, like that word, lucky. We're lucky right now to live in a time where there's just so much opportunity. Um, But I do think that some of that opportunity comes with room for comparison, and that can be really stressful, especially in this age of social media. So, I mean, if there's anything that I can encourage anyone, again, it's just – Find what it means for you and really listen to your intuition and trust your gut. Like if something doesn't feel right, it's okay. Like you don't need to do someone else's thing to be healthy. You need to do
1: what feels right for you. So you recently opened up about going to therapy. Um, I want to understand if it was something that you've been thinking about for a long time, Um, what was like kind of the catapult that got you to go – and what's your mission about like, telling, I feel like it's such a personal thing and you're putting yourself out there. It's definitely something that's like vulnerable as hell. Um, what was just, what's what's your thought process on, on being open about that and also putting yourself through it? I felt like me
0: not telling the people that follow me that I went to therapy was like me trying to hide something. And I thought about it for a long time. I mean, I went to about a month of it, which felt like a long time, uh, before I opened up about trying it. Uh, it's something in terms of like my whole, my whole wellness picture that I have been thinking of for a long time and just couldn't pull the trigger. And I didn't pull the trigger mostly because of financial reasons. Uh, I, you know, pay an obscene amount for health insurance that I can't use on therapy. And I pay a lot of money to live in my apartment and I pay a lot of money to commute and I pay a lot of money to do everything. So for me, it was just one of those things that I didn't feel like I truly needed. But at the end of the day, What I learned when I lost weight was that it is so important to invest in yourself and to believe that you can be your own game changer. And I wasn't a hundred percent living that out when it came to my mental health. And so I just got to a point um with some stuff that was going on in my personal life, especially when it came to dating, that I was like, wow, I really need to talk to someone. Like these old things that were going on in my life, especially from when I was younger and when I was overweight, like they come back to haunt me in these instances that make me literally like just uncontrollably emotional. And I needed to talk to someone about it. And I really needed to try to deal with it. And so, I mean, going there was hard, um, But literally, I remember walking out of the first session and thinking to myself, like, that was better than I expected. And you go in and you might have, like, these expectations or these thoughts of what it could be. And I certainly did. But... I walked out more open to it than I was even walking in the door. And I think that was really special. And I know that not everyone has that experience when they go to talk to someone. And some people even shop around for quite some time. So for me, um, I went to one woman. I've been seeing her for a few months now. Uh, I think it's helping. I feel grateful when I go there. and. I, for example, am leaving on a work trip this week and not heading there this week. And I literally am like, wow, I kind of wish I was going. So in that regard, I mean, I guess it's doing something. And again, the opportunity to be open with my audience and to help someone else, like the feedback I got after that went up uh, was really valuable, almost as valuable as I remember about a year and a half ago, I again like i am a freelancer i work for myself i spend a lot of my days alone i am single um and so for me like life got to a point where it just felt obscenely lonely and it wasn't just like that i noticed that i was alone i noticed that i like felt like lonely to a place where i was getting really upset and one night i don't know what came over me but i just you know took to social media as one does and i spoke about that during uh an Instagram live for like 15 minutes and I got really emotional and it was something that was scary and I didn't really expect but after I did it I felt like this huge weight lifted off of my chest that I had been honest about something that was consuming me in this age the highlight reel mm-hmm. uh and me going to therapy and getting honest about that received just as many DMs as me being honest about feeling really lonely, literally like three to 400 people reaching out. And that's just the people that feel like they want to reach out. That's not even the amount of people that I feel like I have the opportunity to connect and and hopefully impact. And so I knew uh, once that I went to therapy that it was probably only a matter of time until I opened up about what that experience
1: was like for me and how it was starting to impact me. So for the people listening that have been kind of scared to go to therapy or like think that it's the cliche, like laying on a couch, whatever, you don't have to obviously give details of your personal therapy, but can you walk people through what the process is like so that they can understand what they will get if they go? Totally. I mean, I think
0: um, it can be a little different based on where you are. I reached out to about like 15 close female friends and asked them if they had any recommendations of uh, different practitioners in the area. I... Followed up with about two to three and landed on one woman, just came with a great recommendation. Uh, most therapists, what they'll do, to my understanding, is they'll have you come in for a free consultation and you'll talk to them. Uh, in my first session with my therapist, I did not lay down on the couch. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, but then in my second session, I did, and I understand it now. And the, you do that so like you can kind of like talk freely and not be so worried about like the person-to-person connection that mm-hmm. might make you hold back. Uh, and so – you go in, you talk with them, and you can decide, like, either, like, yeah, this feels like a good thing, and or maybe I'm willing to try it out, or maybe this just, like, isn't my vibe. Um, and so, like, it felt like a good fit for me, and then I just started going uh, once a week. I wanted to go every other week and we had a conversation about that. uh, And I was able to get to a place uh, financially really where that decision was responsible for me. Uh, But I will tell you up front that when I started in that room and she told me her rate, that would not have been something that I was capable of doing. So her and I got to a point where I felt uh, like it was okay, but you really do need to know what your limits are and what feels right for you. I had told her what my limits were and she told me initially where she came from. And I said to her as a contractor, I said, listen, like, I know you work hourly and I can't expect you to lower your rate to accommodate me. And she looked at me and she said, but here's the thing. Like you told me your boundaries and I know what my boundaries are and you don't get to decide what I do with my boundaries. And I was like, okay, well, that's pretty profound and probably applies to (laughs) everything else I'm talking to you about. So we'll figure it out. So she was like, come back next week and we'll talk then. And I like am so type A. I was like, what does this mean? What do you mean we're going to figure it out next week? Uh, But we did. And I came back and we came to a place that made me feel very confident and literally as though for the first time in my life, maybe not the first time, but in some time that – it was like all of that good karma that i'm putting back into the world like god looked at me and he was like i got you like this is this work, we're going to do this and I love you know that.
1: so now we're rolling with it i love it yeah so the point of active ingredient is for the person who sees sees the people around them that are working in something that they love or just want that so deeply for themselves and they want to wake up every day excited like, you wake up every day lacing up, excited to do what you do, and just really have no idea even where to start. Like, maybe it's, like, such a huge pivot that it's, like, so daunting to actually take the leap, or they just literally don't even know what to ask themselves. If someone came to you and was like, M, like, I want to love what I do, but I don't know how to start, what is your advice to them? Just start. But what? Like if they don't even know what it is, you know? Well, I mean, then I think that comes with a lot of things, right?
0: It's opening yourself up to new experiences. It's trying new things. It's not being afraid to fail. I think that's probably the best advice I can give to anyone who's starting something new is be open to failure and understand that in every single failure, there is a lesson. And when you open yourself to when you open yourself up to embracing these lessons and not getting so down on yourself when things don't go as planned, like understanding that there's magic in every one of those flops and to open yourself up to the magic and open yourself up to learning and growing and becoming better with every single leap. Like that's the first step to, you know, really figuring out what
1: it is that you're calling truly is. Great answer. And what is your literal active ingredient, meaning is it tea? Is it coffee? Like what's something that you have to have every single day? That is your personal active ingredient. Athletic Greens, without a doubt. Wow. <laughs> Literally. Were they, they – they weren't your first they sponsor? They are. Oh, they're yeah? not They're not – they were not my first sponsor,
0: but I was drinking Athletic Greens well before they reached out to me. It's a – How nice. Greens powder. <laughs> it's got 12 servings of fruits and vegetables. It's got 75 whole food sourced ingredients, like everything, prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, superfoods. I feel – Energized when I take it, I feel like my digestion is better. Is it a powder? It's a greens powder. Okay. It doesn't taste like a greens juice you get from any of the juice locations that are lovely in New York City. <laughs> it is sweeter. um And as someone who didn't like greens juice before, that loves athletic greens, I am like a huge proponent of it. I can't right. say it. I want to try it. Yeah. Amazing. I hope I just sold your whole audience. I mean, I really, I, I want to try it. I didn't know it was sweet. It's a little sweet, yeah. It's definitely not like you just got took a wheatgrass shot at all.
1: Okay, all right, cool. So, where can everyone follow you? Talk, like, shout out your podcast. For sure,
0: for sure. So, as you guys know, I host a podcast called Hurdle. If you haven't gathered, I talk to everyone from entrepreneurs to top CEOs and athletes about how they've gotten through tough times hurdles of sorts by leaning into wellness. You can find that where you find active ingredient or wherever you get your podcasts. Also keep up with me on Instagram. It's at Emily Abadi. That's A-B-B-A-T-E. And also make sure to check in on hurdle over at hurdle podcast.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks lady. Thank you guys so much for listening please take a second to rate and review us and for more inspiration and quotes from the episode check us out on instagram at active ingredient